G'day, I'm Andy Brennan and you're listening to Level Playing Field. Welcome, Andy, to my podcast. Thank you very much for having me on, Randy. Yeah, no problem. It's been um, a bit excited to talk with you. You've obviously had a busy few months. <laughs> yeah, it has been. I think it's been yeah, just over a month now since uh, it, it all happened and, uh, and I came out. So it has been very busy, yeah. The way I usually start my podcast is I like to get the earliest memory you have as a child. Not necessarily in sports, just in life. Yeah. Um, the earliest memory I have is is of me crawling, I think, out of my cot to my mum, who was uh, at, at the table. And they were picking me up and, and then sitting with her. I, I can't remember how old I was, but um, it's not a memory where I can remember too much. But I just have vague, vague, yeah, memories of, of, of getting out of it and crawling to her and, and sitting with her. Yeah, like little flashes of memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long time ago as well. Not as long as my childhood memories, but I understand what you mean. <laughs> what was your first? Um, I remember our, my parents bought a house, and I was probably about three, and I remember sitting on the garage door, like looking out, and that's just the memory I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, those ones. Not a lot happens, but you can still remember it. Yeah. What were you like as a child? Um, I was a pretty obedient child. I um, was I obviously grew up with a family of the four older brothers and one younger sister. Um, and to say that my older brothers were a little bit rebellious would um, would be kind to them. They were um, <laughs> somewhat rebellious. And yeah, I, I kind of grew up with that and kind of saw that it was a little bit difficult to handle. And I was, I was pretty mellow as a kid. You, you said you had one younger sibling? Yeah, I've got one younger sister, yeah. But you were the baby boy. I was the baby boy, yeah. So there were four, uh, sorry, five boys and then um, and then the girl below me. And I was the youngest boy. That's a big family. Yeah, very big. It's good, good though. I, I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Did you guys all play sports or were involved in sports? Yeah, yeah. We all, all played like the school sports. So yeah, soccer and, and hockey was a part of our school sports. Um, and then from there, my eldest broke into surfing. Um, one plays um, football like AFL, um, not at that level, but um, and then two play hockey. And then the other one doesn't doesn't play any sport. And when did you start playing sports? Um, to be honest, from as early as I can remember, um, since I was a little kid playing you know, school sports or watching my brothers play and, and mucking around there. Like it was, yeah, I, I can't remember not playing. Was it always football for you or did you sort of play all of them? Um, I, until 15, um, I played soccer and hockey. So football, um, I, yeah, I played, I played the both of them. And then I suppose I had to make a choice between the two of them and, and soccer was the one that, you know, I probably liked the most, obviously. What made you like it the most? Do you do you remember? I don't know to be honest, because um, my mum, she is a very big hockey fan, and she, you know she played hockey all her life, um, so there was a big influence to um, you know keep playing hockey and stuff. But and for me, it was yeah, I, I just really really enjoyed playing soccer, so it wasn't that hard of a decision other than potentially letting down my mum. 
<laughs> which is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I just really didn't want to do it, but I think she understood. And yeah, she's completely supportive. So I got to be honest with you. When you say hockey, you're talking field hockey, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not much ice hockey. Although my brother did, my eldest brother did play ice hockey for a while. What, what exactly? I mean, obviously it's to score goals is the point, but how many guys on a side or? It's pretty similar um, to soccer. There's obviously 11, 11 players on each team and they're playing up in, it's interchange, so that's different. And um, yeah, but it's, it's pretty similar. You can only score in the D, which is similar to the soccer box. Did you play football or soccer? What do you, do you call it soccer or football? I, I go back and forth. There's some people I call it soccer, some people call it football, just depending on really what they call it. So let's what do call you want it, to call it? Soccer or football? Let's call it football. <laughs> okay, I love it. Let's do that. <laughs> so you played football then in school then, or yeah, do you so do competitive? Played, yeah, I always played football with the school side and also at the same time would be playing club. Um, so I think it wasn't maybe until year seven or eight, probably year seven where we stopped playing with school. And just solely focused on um, club because it started to get a lot more serious. What is club football like in Australia? Um, it's pretty good. It's um, what three three odd nights a week training, and then um, obviously the game on the weekend. A lot of it's community based, so it's driven from the community and and volunteers. So um, it usually has a pretty good atmosphere around the clubs. Um, yeah, a lot of hardworking people really. And then, are you staying in your area or do you travel throughout australia um so at the moment now just just uh victoria wide so it's the state league in victoria so we travel just across the state but majority of it's in and around melbourne oh, okay so then weekends then i take it would be filled with with your football and then you're also siblings doing sports yeah yeah I was, yeah 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 so I mean, oh, sorry, I answered that question as if I was in Melbourne now. Um, but, yeah, the, the Tassie one would just be, be Hobart stuff, so all centralised. And, yeah, mum and mum and dad would have to drive us um, all around Tassie, sorry, all around Hobart to, to, to get us to the sports. And it was obviously Marky, my oldest brother, was a surfer, so I'd have to take him out to um, to all sorts of coasts around Tassie to, to try and catch some waves. So they were pretty busy on the weekends. What was it like growing up in in Australia? I imagine um, different than the U.S. in ways. Yeah, I suppose I, I don't really know what it's obviously like growing up in the U.S. But um, Tassie was a smaller um, a smaller state. So in Hobart, I think there's like two hundred thousand, which compared to like Melbourne is 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 tiny. Um, but no, it's really good. It's it's a great childhood. It's um, pretty much can do what whatever you. You, you want to do if you have all the options and all the support really networks if you have a good family obviously um so yeah it's it's was really nice besides sports what were you interested in growing up would i suppose i'd, I'd always hang out with my mates that was probably one of the biggest things that I'd, I'd do outside sports um, and with that would you know play a few video games and and stuff like that so just pretty much whatever we could do to enjoy ourselves it gets pretty cold through the winters in in hobart and tassie so You'd, you'd hang out mostly inside, um, away from the elements, but yeah. What was adolescence like for you? Adolescence, uh, teen years? Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, I, I went to a school that, um, you know, I got along with a lot of the, the students there. So we had a pretty good, um, I suppose, adolescence and we, you know, would go out and have a fair share of fun. Um, and I suppose you get to that age 
well, in Tassie at, at least, where he started to mingle with other schools as well. Um, so, you know, your friendships would grow and you'd, you'd meet more people. And, um, yeah, it's it actually really nice looking back on it. That, like, 12 or 13, usually, you know, sexuality becomes a thing for any kid. Yeah. For yeah. you, were you already thinking or, or knowing who you were or were you late in developing? I, I always had, um, I suppose thoughts or inklings or, or that, you know, I always had little questions about myself, but it was always something that I never really wanted to focus on. Um, and obviously I, with where I was growing up, a lot of, you know, you, you didn't really have many people that were, were gay role models, role models or anyone you could look up to. So it was a pretty much, um, was, for me growing up, it was, it was relatively unheard of. Like there, there weren't a lot of people around. Obviously you knew some people, but, it was, um, yeah, it was not so frequent um, from where I lived. What was Australian TV like then and, and movies? I mean, did it just not touch on yeah. homosexuality? I suppose, yeah, I mean, there obviously was, there, there were things about and there were things that were happening. It's not like it was completely in the dark, but I mean, just myself, I wasn't really, you know, I didn't really see many things. I didn't really, wasn't showing many things about it. Um, so I never really thought too much about it. And um, when I did get to the point where I started to think about it more, I wanted to hide it. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want it to be true, to be honest. Really? Yeah. So, cause like for me, so I'm bisexual. Um, yeah. and actually it's funny, Australia sort of played a big part in realizing who I was when I was about 12 or so. My brother, my older brother, one of my older brothers was in the movie or play Greece at high school. Yeah. And so obviously in living in John in the movie, um, it was a crush for me. But then about the same time we got cable at my house and I, uh, I found Aussie rules football <laughs> and the men with the, the sleeveless shirts. And it was definitely a way to con- convince <laughs> myself on who I was. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I suppose, I mean, I obviously had AFL, but I, I never looked at it like that. I think with my sport, it's always been something that, like, with with my football, I've always never brought that side of it into it. So I've never thought of anything like that while I've been in the football environment. So I feel now that I've, I don't know if I've trained myself, but I've, I've thought about that for so long that I still don't think about it when I'm in and around the club or... um. Yeah, I suppose that took a long time of, I suppose, trying to push it aside that that's got to that point, if you know what I mean. Oh, no, totally get it. Did you grow up in a religious family or? Um, my family were, they're Christians, but not, not really religious, to be honest. Um, no, not at all. We'd, we'd, there would be nothing that, that would, it's not religion that got in the way of anything of me being able to accept it or anything like that. Not at all. Do you think it was just the sport itself and only the sport then? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was myself as well. I, I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to feel any different. I, I just wanted to be, for what I saw was normal at the time and for what I, I saw as normal was that you find a girl and um, yeah, you, you get in a relationship and, and you go from there. I didn't have any people in my life that were, you know, gay, and I could see them all the time. And I've got I've got cousins that were 
you know, in, in Victoria while I was in Tassie. Um, but I didn't see them regularly. It wasn't people that I, I got close enough to to look up to and um, for them to be, you know, role models for me. It was always something that I yeah, just didn't think. I didn't think it was normal and therefore I didn't think it would be accepted if I, if I was like that. So I always just pushed it aside and uh, suppressed it as much as I can. You mentioned cousins. What's the dif- distance in in miles between where you grew up and where your cousins grew up? Uh, we're very close. So mum's side, they all grew up in uh, Tassie as well. And then dad's side were most of Victoria um, and then a couple in Sydney and Canberra. So in Tassie, we got very close with the mum's side. Um, like literally, I think there was one of them were a walking distance away when I was growing up. Um, and then the others were over the bridge, which really isn't far. Um, it's funny because Tassie is, or Hobart especially, is pretty small um, compared to Melbourne. So a 10-minute drive there or a 15-minute drive in Tassie growing up used to feel like it was ages. But now mm-hmm. if I drive anywhere in Melbourne that's 10 or 15 minutes, I think it's a, a quick drive. So really, they're really close to us. And we all had a, a shack, which is um, you know, a holiday house up the coast. So we'd all spend our summers up there together. And yeah, it was really nice growing up. So you going back to to dating the night, to take it in school, like you call it secondary school? Uh, yeah, high school. Okay, you call it high school. You you dated girls then? Yeah, yeah, I dated girls through high school. Um, not obviously, I, I wasn't always seeking out for it. Um, I feel like it was something that I felt like I just kind of had to do, and was just the thing that you would do. Um, and you know, I, that kind of carried on. I didn't, I didn't really date girls all the way up until, you know, I came out. But I had a girlfriend last year for a couple of months. I suppose that was, you know, the last, but last, you know, real realization that it wasn't for me, and it was silly that, you know, I kept going down that path. So well, this might be jumping around too, because we might go back after. But yeah, when sorry. did you? Oh, no worries. When did you realize then you were you were gay? Like when did you accept it yourself? I accepted it uh, last year. I accepted it. Um, I think I was around. September. Um, it really? Kind of got the, yeah, it was pretty much got to the point where, like, I was looking back and I had felt this way for for so long. Um, earliest my proper memories were, were, were like I'd, I'd say I was around fifteen, sixteen. So for ten odd years, I'd been, you know, properly thinking this way. Um, and I just thought, well, if I if I waited another ten years and I was thirty five or thirty six, and I looked back and it'd been twenty years of my life where. I hadn't been in a relationship where I was completely happy and I look around me and I see all my friends in, you know, you know, really loving relationships and they're getting to the point where they're starting to talk about, you know, things about kids and and marriage and all that kind of stuff. Obviously it's not happened yet, but it's starting to creep in um, just in in the way they talk. Um, So yeah, it kind of scared me and I I was kind of thinking, well, I, I, I knew at this point that I was gay and I knew that, I didn't like girls, and I, I couldn't, um, I, I couldn't get get married and have kids. Um, it crossed my mind to to try and not do all that stuff, but if I was to be completely happy, it was not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought, wow, this is just stupid, just trying to pretend and trying to be someone you're not. So yeah, it, it just kind of snapped me into reality, really, and I just started 
knew what I kind of had to do and I started talking to people and opening up more and, and through doing that it made me feel really comfortable and happy and looking back now I'm so proud of how far I've come and and, and who I am now because I've, I've not been happier just being so open. That's crazy yeah we'll get to that whole story in a little bit but it um it's actually surprising so did you not I don't want to say hook up but I'd, I'd, had you... ex- I'd, I'd had experiences, if, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Okay, I'd, I'd yeah. Ex- experiences um, growing up. Um, but, yeah, nothing nothing that I fully allowed myself to um, experiment or do anything proper to, to get a, a better understanding of how I felt. It was more uh, reactionary stuff and, and, yeah, stuff I didn't really – still didn't allow myself to be completely open-minded with. Okay. And then so you have the experiences and then I guess it allows you to push it away a little bit more for a while. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. So you, you graduate high school, your first professional football experience, is that with South Melbourne? Um, yeah. So they're semi-pro and then the first proper professional was with Newcastle, Newcastle Jets. Do you remember that moment? The first day you're with South Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, pretty vividly. I, I remember going into the change room and they just show you where your kit was. And then I remember going to the change room and meeting the boys. And we, we'd played against them, I think it was like three months before, like the last game of the season for us um, in South Hobart. And then from there they signed me. So a lot of the boys had remembered me. Um, yeah, I, I, they, were, they were all really good. And it was um, a pretty easy place to settle in. How long were you there for? Uh, I was only there for six months. So I spent the six really? months there, and I yeah I'd done quite well um, in those six months. And the coach at Newcastle came down to watch um, one of the games, and it just happened to be probably one of the better games I've I've ever played. Um, and then they invited me up to Newcastle. I think it was a f- not the following week, but the week after. Um, and had I was meant to have a week there training, but um, there were like these. Category nine storms. I don't even know if that's a, a rating, but the storms were um, <laughs> they were pretty full on. So I trained the Monday, um, and then I think roofs were blowing off, trees were falling down. So they were said like there's not going to be any more training this week. But I had a really good session on that Monday, and they offered me a two year deal the next day. And then we we drove drove home, drove to the airport at least. So how old were you when you started at South Melbourne? Um, I was 21, I think. Okay, and then so you're there for six months. You go to Newcastle. Yeah. What was your time at Newcastle like? Uh, it was pretty difficult, to be honest. Um, it was really nice at the start, like starting off, and then I got injured with a, a hamstring. I pulled my hammy um, probably three, four months in. Um, and then that was literally before the first round of the season. Um and then I'd come back and I, I did it again. So in about six months, I'd pulled two hamstrings and then I'd come back and I did it again. So it was a pretty injury-filled season. Um, luckily, I got back towards the end of the season and played. The, I was involved in the last three games, which um, was really nice. And then the season after that, again, was, was pretty interrupted through injuries and coaches were changing and moving. So it was, it was just a really... Tough period, not only for myself, but for the club. Obviously, they're going through a lot of changes and um, they had ownership change in that time. They had a coach change twice. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a 
bit of a rocky road for them and obviously for me as well. And then the Australian top league is it's more like MLS, right? In the United States where there's no relegation promotion. Yeah, it's correct. just more franchises. Yeah, yeah. And how long how old is Newcastle? Is it an old club? Yeah, Newcastle has a, a great history. I think um I don't know exactly when it goes back, but the town itself was a was an old I think some coal or, or produced something uh um so the town was quite industrial and had been around for a long time. It's just north of Sydney. Um so they obviously they played football as well um in the old NSL days. Um and yeah, so it's got a lot of history to not only the town but the club as well. Besides health with the you know, with your hamstring injury, was there, you know, obviously you'd, you'd come out a few years later. Is there anything that's like weighing you down? Do you start to feel like emotionally drained or is it just yeah. pure football that? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I remember there was some pretty awful moments in Newcastle because obviously you, you come up to play full time and you can't do anything else and you move away from your family and your friends. Um, and yeah, you, you've, I, I felt, pretty awful at times obviously not being able to play and do what I wanted and then you know you're always worried about the future what was going to happen um and obviously I had other things on my mind that whether I was really thinking about it and um really you know giving it the attention it needed it was still on my mind it was still something that I was scared about so there's a lot of things at certain times that I was conflicted with and and thinking about and it made made things really difficult yeah with Australian sports, there's definitely a history of, of male gay athletes, but definitely the team sports seem to, besides Ian Roberts, of course, seem to still lack open players. Did it make it harder for you to get to that point where you could possibly come out? Um, maybe maybe it, it, there was a part of that in it. it. It's difficult to say because obviously I've, Never been in a um, other, never played in a you know a sport where it's not been um, a team sport. So I don't really know what it would be like otherwise. But I could imagine, obviously, you by yourself. So um, you you'd obviously not have those exterior thoughts with with what people might think, what people might say, and you obviously have to work with them every day. So you wouldn't be thinking about that. So I, I suppose, yeah, it probably did have a bearing on. Um, the fact that I was thinking about other people and was thinking about how people would react and would think about me. Throughout your your playing time, you know, as a student, semi-pro, pro, did you ever hear terms like fag and faggot on the pitch or in the yeah. locker room? Yeah, I have for sure. Um, absolutely. It was something that, um, yeah, I, I never really liked, to be honest. Would you ever talk to people about it before you came out? Or not, did you just not, not want not, attention brought up? Yeah, not before. Not before, certainly not. I remember a few times that people have said stuff and I I would completely shy away from it. I'd, obviously, because it, I'm not seeing it as what kind of an impact it can have on other people. When people said, said it, it was something I then thought about myself and I was scared and worried to say anything because then they might think about me and I didn't want to bring any attention on me. So I definitely wouldn't wouldn't have brought it up. Did you ever hear anybody else like stick up and say you shouldn't say that, or was it just something that that yeah, I was sort no, of? It... I, I never heard anyone, no, to be honest, stick up for it. But I think it, I think, especially growing up and and less so now, but 
people used to or not really understood how much of an impact you know saying those kinds of things can have on people um and it's funny that we talk about this i I had a teammate not long ago who happened to say um say fact um and it was in a game situation it was like the heat of the moment and it was completely completely unintended to to for what the word meant he didn't even though I was saying it, but I remember going up to him after and, and talking to him about it and saying, look, I, I understand um, you might not, you know, understand what you're saying or understand how much weight it has, but, you know, you, you said this and this is how it could make someone like myself feel if I was playing and still not out or battling with these thoughts or, or whatever. And then they literally was, was so apologetic and so, so sad about what they said because they, they, they didn't even know. They were like, oh, my God, I'm, I didn't even realise I'd said it. Um, like I'm so sorry. It was something in the heat of the moment um, that they just said, and he just promised me they'll, they'll never say it again. And, and and yeah, and it's just I think people you, you get so, especially people in certain areas, they get so used to things being being said or not being said. But if you hear it so many times, it becomes numb what the actual meaning is, and therefore for them it might not mean anything. Obviously, it can for some other people, but the more you do, just slightly. You know, let them know. I don't think you need to get angry at them or, or have a go at them, but you just let them know what it, you know, what kind of an effect it can have on people. And then you'd think if they're a good person, then they would have a similar reaction as, as what my mate did. Yeah, I get it because um, obviously it means something more than just regular swear words. But like I work in construction for my day job. And sometimes because I'm a sarcastic person, um, someone will you know say fucking tool or something like that and i'll go what tool and they'll have no clue that they actually swore yeah so i think for a lot of people and not to make an excuse or to give them a free pass but i do think that it's something that they were brought up with and they're used to hearing it yeah yeah absolutely i think and to change things i i don't think an approach where you you know, have a, a, a go at them or you try and change things through force or through, you know, having a go back. I think you, you just remind people and, and you let people know that when they say things that could be offensive to people or say things that could hurt people, that you just remind them what, what it means. And, and the more you do that, the more they'll realize and the more things will change. I mean, the only, re- only way you can really change things is through time and, and educating people. Yeah, there's a a study by uh, Eric Dennison. He's a lead researcher for Monash University in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to butcher the numbers because I won't say that, but (laughs) it is interesting how they talk about homophobic words, but then they also talk about how just because words like that are being used doesn't necessarily mean that like when someone comes out that they're going to also be abused and there's going to be hatred towards them because of their sex. Yeah. so it is we need to help train these you know coaches and kids and people playing that they don't mean it they don't have any um, negative feelings but it does affect people around them yeah i think that's really good i think the more we can educate people and and they can get an understanding of how it can make people feel you know the better understanding people have for it and then therefore not use it so i think that's great yeah I want to jump back to Newcastle. You obviously, the first year, you're hurt. You finished the last three games playing. You knew there for a second year, right? Because it was a two-year contract? Correct, yeah. What was the second year like? Uh, second year was bad as well. 
they had a new, the old coach was still there. And it got to a point now with him that I think he was pretty, <laughs> pretty much done with me um, and, and didn't want me around. Um, and I obviously had felt that I hadn't really been given an, an opportunity to, to play and get to a point where I was fully fit and be able to play the best of my ability. So um, we had a few back and forth and he was obviously trying to get me to go and I wasn't too happy just to walk out. Um, and then I think it was after pre-season that coach got sacked um, and another one came in. So that was, for me personally, a good change. Um, and then it started off well with him. I remember playing a couple of games with him. But again, through injuries and breaking down, I, I slowly found myself out of the picture again. And then we just had a pretty honest talk. And he he'd said, look, it's not good for you. And it's obviously not good for us that you know, you, you can't play and you keep having these injuries that break you down that for, in, as he said, in my eyes, it's best if you can, um, you know, go back to a level where you can play regularly um, and get yourself and get your body right again. Um, and obviously through my head, I, I didn't want to keep staying and be going up and down and, and having injuries and having all these things and, and feeling all alone and whatever. Cause you know, you're quite distant being in Newcastle from where everyone is or my family. So I was pretty, pretty accepting of it, and I was, I was pretty happy to, um, to leave. And then, so how do you then end up at Green Goalie? Um, so from there, I went to Bentley, and um, it was a bit of a shock going back to the MPL, to be honest, because there's um, a few things at a few clubs that I, I didn't really like. Um, obviously, I, you know, I loved it at Bentley. I love the people there, but there are a few things that I had issues with, just um, the way the, the club's structured in certain ways that, I didn't really, it, it, it got my, my, my mind and my focus off playing and rather, and I, I was focusing on other things that um, were affecting me. So it, it got to the point where there's a few clubs I went to that I, I didn't enjoy it. And then thankfully now um, I'm at Gully and everything's been really good. There's nothing that I'm, I'm focusing on off the pitch. It's all about the football and it's, yeah, it's, it's I found a really good club. Do you, it almost seems then like the Newcastle helped bring about your mental change and wanting to come out and wanting to, you know, accept who you are finally. Because um, it, and this might be reading some stuff into it just because the conversations I've had with past athletes, but everyone always talks about like a weighing down, you know, pressure building. Maybe they don't know it at the time, but when they finally do come out, they realize that they've just been a weight's been lifted off. Would you think your mental health was part of the problem at Newcastle? Um, I, I certainly think it got in the way of everything because I was very focused on the football there and I was very much, that was the only thing I was really wanting to do. I didn't really want to focus on anything else. Obviously, I did have those thoughts 100%. And yeah, maybe subconsciously, it was something that added to a lot of distress. Um, and then, yeah, potentially by leaving that and then getting to a point where um, I didn't have to focus so much on all that kind of stuff that I could finally, you know, start to look at uh, or accept the other stuff. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, it, could, it could be right. Yeah. What starts that process for you, the coming out process? Um, well, it was all about obviously accepting it myself first. 
Um, and then from there, it was to the point from when I accepted it to the point where I came public was from September to May. So in that process, I, I went about telling um, friends and family, um, some people at the soccer club, and then, yeah, being comfortable enough that and being happy that I've talked to everyone that I've wanted to talk to, um, and then coming out completely. The, the whole reason I wanted to come out was so that I could feel most comfortable because it was something that obviously I was thinking about a lot. And it would get to the point where I was thinking about who knows and who doesn't know, um, and I didn't want to think that. I just wanted to be completely open, completely myself, and this is who I am. And I couldn't give a crap if people cared for it or didn't care for it. It was just – I'd got to the point where – this is who I'm going to be and this is who I am. So there you go. Who do you tell first? I talked to two cousins in Tasmania when I went down there. Um, and so they've got a gay sister um, and we um, had spoke briefly. I happened, happened to be a little pissed at the time, which was drunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I know. I think. <laughs> you, know, you know how it goes. Um, so that's obviously a bit of courage. And then I set upon um, telling my friends. Obviously telling um, my two cousins was easier because I knew they had the gay sister. I knew that they would be accepting of it. Um, and then... Was that an easy conversation? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. the alcohol helped, but... Yeah. Did that, you get that, the reception you were hoping? Yes, yes, certainly did. It wasn't an easy conversation in terms of what I had to try and say. Um, it was certainly hard to get it out, but it was the stress before was not as bad as what the stress was going to be with other friends because I, I knew they were going to accept it. I knew that was going to be fine. Um, but it was obviously very difficult to articulate how I felt and what I was trying to say. Um, but then the next week came my first mate that I told um, – his name was Deck, and then that was very stressful. Um, it was it was so hard to actually, you know, obviously get the words out and 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 say what I was feeling and thinking. And obviously, I was stressed about he might how he might react. Um, I'd picked a friend. Obviously, he was a good friend, but I'd picked someone that I um, was comfortable that they would be accepting. So. Deep down, I knew that they would be okay with it, but it was still obviously very difficult. How soon do you tell your your parents and your siblings? So I live with my brother and my cousin, uh, another cousin. So I told them probably a couple of weeks after, yeah, probably a month after telling um, my first mate. The reason really for that was obviously because I lived with them. It was I, I knew once I told them in the house, it was something I couldn't escape. There, yeah, there's more to lose with telling yeah, them. Yeah, and it was something that was completely surrounding me. So I had to get to a certain level of comfort before I could talk to them. And then I didn't tell my um, other you know, brothers and family, uh, my, my parents, until Christmas, just because that was when we were all together. And How did by that, that go? Well, yeah, by that point, it was it was very easy. I, just, I think I told three of the brothers at the same time, and just, they were all very, very happy, and they were pretty stoked with it. Um, and then told my sister, and she's like, yeah, sweet, no worries. Didn't really care. Um, and then, yeah, told my parents, and they were, they were all really, really supportive. That's awesome. Seeing it go so easy, and I know it's, you know, um, it's easy to look back and see it this way, but do you have any regrets for keeping it, a secret so long knowing how accepting they were 
Or do you think you just weren't ready to do it any sooner anyways? Yeah, I certainly don't think I was ready. Um, yeah, certainly don't. I, I think that for me personally, I had to come a bit of a way to be able to accept it myself uh, and come out. Was, I mean, that was the, the whole reason I didn't come out earlier is because I hadn't accepted myself. I, I have no idea how I would have gone about things if I had personally accepted it before, say Newcastle and all, all that kind of stuff had happened. So it would have been interesting. I don't, I don't know if I could have or if I would have been able to cope with everything that's happened in terms of um, the reaction and stuff without having first gone through all that Newcastle stuff. And so this is December, you're telling your family, December of last year? Yes. When do you start telling the team? So one of my good mates um, plays on the team, so I had already told him before this. Um, And then (laughs) it was funny. We had had a team night out one night, um, and again, we'd had a few drinks. Um, (laughs) But that night, um, I told two of them, um, and it was the only reason I was, I was telling them is because one of them was opening up, um, to me about something personal in his life. And then, um, he was obviously scared to keep talking about it. And then I just said, look, mate, just to make him feel more comfortable, I used my story. And when I told him that he was completely comfortable to keep talking about it and which was really nice to be honest, because it was easier for me to get it out with it, with it being not such a big deal. And then he was then therefore comfortable just to to go right ahead and open up completely about what he was talking about. So that was a nice moment. Um, and I told another mate that night, um, one of the more senior players, um, and they were completely, completely sweet with it. They were fine with it. Um, and it wasn't maybe for another month until I told the rest of the boys. Um, and again, yeah, they were all fine with it. But they, you know, they make light of it now, which is probably the best thing because it's not something that they fear to talk about or fear to um, bring up or joke about or yeah so it makes me feel most comfortable now you mentioned you had a girlfriend recently when was that was that before so that was uh last year uh and i stopped seeing her just before september so maybe a month before september okay yeah was it a shock for her then when she found out or have you talked to her since? <laughs> it was probably a relief for her to be honest. Cause she, <laughs> she, she, um, she obviously was, was a bit confused with a, a few things and, um, <laughs> was obviously, I could think, I could imagine. <laughs> and obviously confused that, um, as to why I think she blamed herself for a lot of things, which is probably the biggest thing that was hurting me through a lot of it that, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't want to do and a lot of things that I was um, pretty hesitant on. And she thought it was herself that was the problem. And she thought oh, yeah. that, um, you know, I, I could see that she was upset with a few things. So that's probably the biggest reason why at the time I had to end it is because I, I, I could see and I could feel my actions and my um, inability to to accept who I was, was affecting her big time. Um, and through me trying to see whether I could do it or whether I could, um, uh, like I obviously couldn't do it and I, I was hanging on to it as long as I could, but I, I yeah, I, I couldn't do it and I could see how much it was hurting her. So I, I stopped and then still it was upsetting for her, I know. And then it wasn't until um, she found out 
where I think she was kind of like, yeah, right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and she was, I think we caught up a little bit after that and it was a little strange, but then since then, yeah, we're completely fine and would catch up now fine. And yeah, she's, she's great. Oh, that's cool. So you're telling your teammates, do you eventually tell the coach or? Yeah. So I told the coach uh, before telling all the other teammates um, after telling the two guys that one night um, and he was so good. He was really, really good. He was kind of just said, he didn't push me to do anything. He didn't stop me from doing anything. He just said, look, like he's played for a little while and he's seen players that have had things on their mind and that have, you know, kept it inside, kept it inside. And it has seemed to really hurt them as players. Um, and so his advice to me was, if you were comfortable enough to, to be open with it, then you should because, you know, having that weight off your shoulders, no matter what it is, and being open and honest is really important for anyone. And he said it'll probably, uh, he reckons that it will, you know, help my football. And obviously that's important for me and for him and the team. So, um, yeah, I, his advice is really good and it made me feel really comfortable in whatever I chose to do. So May 14th, you'd eventually come out and we'll get to that. I want to talk about April 29th. There was a post by James Faulkner, an Australian cricket player, where he had a post. And obviously, I'm sure you know what, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think he mentioned a boyfriend or something like that in the text of it. Obviously, he got tremendous support from players, from other athletes. Of course, he got negative stuff, too. And then eventually, I think the next day, he would come out and um, say it's just his roommate. He He's not gay and all this stuff. How do you look at that as you're coming out? You're getting ready to come out yourself. Did that affect you at all? Did you take positives, negatives away from that whole deal? Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, I I didn't really think too much into it to be honest I remember seeing it and and reading through comments and I do remember thinking well it's a lot of support um and a lot of people really happy for him so I think that was obviously good to see um but to be honest, I, I knew that I knew that my stuff would be somewhat of a big deal in you know in Victoria and in in the playing um wider community but I didn't have much of an idea of how big um, it would really go. <laughs> um, so when I saw his stuff, I saw it and, and thought, oh, wow, that's positive. That's, that's, that's nice. I, I really only saw the positive stuff with it. Um, and then I thought it didn't make me be like, yes, all right, I want to do it. it. It just, I just saw it and I thought it was positive. And regardless if it come out and it was negative, I mean, I probably would have had a second thought about what I was doing, but I would have still done the same thing and done it the way I was doing it. Um, but I didn't expect my stuff to be, um, you know, taken as far and wide as it was. So I didn't think that you could really relate the two of them, if that makes any sense. Okay. So it was, oh, yeah, it, it yeah. Makes sense. there's no bearing. Yeah. There's no real bearing in what he did. It didn't change what I was going to do or yeah. What was it like typing up that, that post on Instagram? <laughs> it was nervy, very nervy. Um, I remember I was, I was on the phone to my cousin. I had it all set out because I just wanted to be able to click send um, and just let it kind of go out. But I remember talking to my cousin at the time and I think I was making some toast, just trying to pass the time. Um, I was talking to him on the phone. And then 
I just kind of said to him, look, man, I got to go. I didn't really tell him what I was going to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he, knew, he knew, but I didn't want to get into what I was doing and when I was coming out. But, um, yeah, I I had it all set out and, and, and ready. And, yeah, so as soon as I clicked send, I was just – it was a bit weird. I clicked send, and then I just thought, shit, what am I going to do now? I'm sitting here waiting, and my phone started going completely mental. So I just thought, all right, I've got to kind of get out of here and go see um, some mates. So – I called my mate and um, we were going to go to a barbecue a bit later on, um, but I ended up calling him and we went out for dinner before the barbecue, which doesn't make much sense. But yeah. um, <laughs> that was pretty much where my mind was at at the time. <laughs> but my phone just kept going off and off and off. And yeah, um, I wasn't really looking too much into the messages at the time. It was more, um, it was more just trying to not focus on it. <laughs> but yeah when you finally stu- do start to to react and see reactions from it get start reading messages what's the overall take i mean obviously it's positive but do the negatives even matter to you at that point nah nah i i didn't i didn't think about any negatives the, the only negatives i got really were just stupid little comments on um on instagram and stuff like that that really um was so was just stupid um, and then there, there were things like, um, oh, why does, he, why does he have to do this? And can't we just like move on from this kind of crap, blah, blah, which like is, is where, you know, we obviously want to get to where it's, it's not a big deal at all. So there's no need for it. But I, I always felt and I always thought that no matter what or where the story goes, um, it will pick up any traction it deserves, if that makes any sense, that if it needs or if people need to see it and people want to share it and people want to comment and like and 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 whatever, then that's what it needs. So um, I think that the story would just get its own justice. How has it been since? Away from social media, not talking about that, just personally. Um, how has your life changed? How I mean, you're obviously free to date guys now if you want, but just overall, how has it changed? Um, I just feel completely comfortable i just feel completely um at ease with with who i am you know i would always be worried about things before worried about other people and their thoughts and if i do this what if they think this or they find out this or see that but now it's just i can literally just do what i want be who i am and that is like the, it's just the best feeling like um and especially going from not feeling like you can do that to feeling like you can do that um, and feeling like it's accepted and, and people want to hear about it and know about it in terms of my friends, what I'm doing and if I've been seeing anyone and 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 seeing how intrigued and interested they are, it um, it's really, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's really a really nice feeling. Yeah, you know, I, I just have to say that I'm really proud of you. You have done something to help so many people that you will never fully understand, I think. Um, you and all athletes that come out, you uh, you know, families and, and friends gather on weekends and watch sports. It's a bonding experience for a lot of people. And for you to be brave enough to come out when you're still playing, it, it, yeah. it's affected so many people. And I think it's yeah. really cool. I really hope so. I mean, it's obviously, 
it's really it's something that I, I had in mind. Obviously, the main reason why I wanted to come out was for me to be comfortable, but I obviously did know that it would have an effect on people, and it is a good thing for other people to see and, and hear that might be feeling the same thing. So, I just I really do hope that that they can get to a point um, to where I am now and, and just be comfortable and happy with themselves because that's literally what life is all about being accepting of yourself so that you can do and be who you want. What was it like to attend your first pride in sports event as an out gay man? Yeah, that was, it was good. It was, it was, I didn't really think about it too much in terms of um, when I was playing, but then when I got in the field, there were players from the opposition would come up and, and just were all saying like, well done and congratulations. And like what you've done is really good. And, you know, everyone that I kind of play since then, is, there's been people in each team that have said that. There's not been anyone that said anything negative. So there, it, there wasn't, there isn't really any difference. I don't feel like of wearing some rainbow T-shirt and everyone's wearing a different one. I, I just feel like I'm in the same colour as everyone else. And then you would attend the Pride and Sports event, though. What was that like? That was really nice. I uh, I met people that I'd heard a lot about at that night. Um, yeah, it was a really nice night to be involved in. And then I was part of the panel and had a bit of a discussion there, which was, was really cool. The two people next to me were far more knowledgeable than what I was. I was just speaking from <laughs> experience. So I was a little daunted um, <laughs> trying to keep up with what they were talking about. But yeah, it was really nice. So what's up next for you? Obviously, you continue to play football. Yeah, yeah. So I, I start... Um, start studying in two weeks, doing psychology. Um, I'll continue to play football, um, doing my coaching, which is great because, you know, even with the coaching, I was worried that all this would have a bearing on it and that might filter out. People might not want you know, a, a gay coach or whatever, but it doesn't even come into question. Um, and other than that, I, I, I would love to be a little more active in, in this space and you know, support people and talk to people that are having similar issues. I think, um, yeah, I think that would be really, really nice. Do you think you'll ever have a, a family of your own? I yeah, I, hope, I certainly hope so. Um, I'd love to, to find someone that you know I can actually properly love. That would be really nice. Um, and then, yeah, start a family. I, I'm, I'm all about family. Um, I've, I've, I've got an amazing family myself, so I'd, I'd love to start one, yeah, for sure. Let me um... – I have one more question, then I'll, I have a final 20 questions to ask every guest. So we'll, we'll breeze through that, then we'll be done. But how has your social media changed since coming out? Do you notice followers are different or? Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's changed. Um, it's pretty funny. I, I went from, I think, something like 1,300 followers to, I think it's like 9,300 or something like that now. Um, and, you know, my friends make jokes that I've literally just got, you know, another 8,000 gay followers and that's it. So I've got <laughs> my, my friends and I've got some football people and then 8,000 gay followers, which is, is um, I love it. I think it's, it's funny, probably but, pretty accurate too. Yeah, I think it is. I think I was looking back over like when it was all happening and you could, you know, go back and see who followed you and it was mostly all, all blokes, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, I'm not complaining about. I think it's great and I'm, I, I really love it. Um, but no, the, the social media... I suppose it changes things a little bit um, in terms of what I post before. Like, you know, I, I just post probably thoughtless things. And now I'm a little more, um, I suppose, I, I think a bit more about what I post because obviously people 
are somewhat interested in what I'm doing. So I want to make sure that I can show that and um, yeah, engage with some people that I can. I've, I've tried to, you know, respond to all the messages that were sent through Instagram, but I think some got cleared um, from the very, very start, which is a bit of a shame in the, in the messages, but I think I got to the majority of them. So yeah, I, I just love to engage with people as much as I can. Sweet. Let me finish up with the final 20 questions. It's just 20 standard questions. I do some yeah. are random and, and stuff like that. Um, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Uh, read people's minds. Nice. That'd be scary though. It'd be very scary and I'd probably regret it, but I just said it, so I can't change it. <laughs> All right. If you could pick a personal theme song, what song would you choose? Uh, any, uh, something to do with The Lion King. It would just probably make me cry every time I heard it. Probably not a good thing. I'd be crying and reading people's minds. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good combo. <laughs> uh, Who is your first celebrity crush? Well, that's an interesting one. Um sure. I don't know. It's, that's a difficult one because growing up, I would never, I, I would try so hard not to, to look at anyone. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Right. I don't have one. No worries. You don't have to answer everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. If you could meet anyone dead or alive, who would it be? You know, it's a real weird. I, I just sort of Dumbledore for some reason. And I know it's a fictional character. Um, <laughs> dead or alive. <laughs> Um, I would like to meet Sir Alex Ferguson. Okay. That's a good one. What is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Um, the most interesting thing I've read is all about the Israel Folau stuff, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I know we talked about it before and we didn't bring him up on purpose, but, uh, it is an interesting read for sure. Yeah. No, not, not a very nice one. Yeah. Um, do you have time to watch TV? Do you have a recent streaming obsession? I have just recently gone from loving a TV show to hating it. Not hating it, that's a bad word, but being completely disappointed. Um, if you'd seen it, I'm sure you'd know which one I'm talking about. Oh, I think I do. Yeah, Game of Thrones. It's Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, the ending. I know. Complete shame, um, actually, right. this this might come back to the Dumbledore thing, but um, which fictional character would you like to meet in real life? Dumbledore. All right. <laughs> I don't even know why. He would be fun. We could finally get the question if J.K. Rowling's right and he's gay or straight. That would be... Ah, uh, that's why. That's why. See, you know these things. Yeah. Well, yeah, some stupid things, but... <laughs> if Important animals things. could talk... Yeah. If animals could talk, which animal would be the most annoying? Uh, a dog. Out think. of all the animals you have but in I Australia, you dogs. pick a dog... I know, but can you imagine that? I just imagine my boxes and how annoying they already are and how energetic they are. And if they could speak as well, I would go mental. But I love them. But I still would go mental. That makes sense. This is the first podcast episode in a long time where my one of my dogs has not barked through the episode, so I'm actually pretty <laughs> impressed. Yeah, see? That's great. <laughs> what is your favorite word? Um, I don't know. Certainly, my least favorite word would probably be moist. I just don't like the sound of that word. That's the next question, so... Oh, well, I can try and think of one that I like, then. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All right. We'll, we'll skip it. What? So your least favorite word, obviously, is moist? Moist, yeah. It just make, gives me shivers. 
Yeah, it is a dirty word. And then you put moist <laughs> panties together. Oh, God. See, now you're then it's it. just worse. <laughs> you're making it worse. Yeah. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, probably honesty. Cool. What turns you off? Dishonesty. What is your favorite curse word? Um, probably shithead. All right. Is that a weird one? No, not at all. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Um, I love the sound of the PlayStation setting up. <laughs> it's okay. It's a soothing sound. What's your favorite game you play right now? Uh, probably FIFA. Okay, yeah, makes sense. What team do you play as? And these, by the way, these aren't part of the final 20. I just wanted to ask for <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Man United. Okay. So, totally off track. Um, Man United just has a new signing that once it's officially open, they'll announce, I guess. But um, Aaron Juan Basaka from Crystal yeah. Palace. Yep. I'm, I'm a Crystal Palace fan, so he oh. is leaving my club and going to Man U. Wow. Well, think of it as a good exchange because Zaha did come to you from us and we made him cheap for you and now he's <laughs> unreal for you. So. But now he wants to leave again, and he yeah. probably will. Yeah, but it's going to be expensive, so you're going to get a lot of money from him. It's exciting because if he does leave, you'll probably get, what, 60-odd mil, 70 mil for him, especially if um, the other guy's going for 50 mil. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of potential players that could be brought in. But the two American investors want to, to bail, so some yeah. of the fans are afraid they're going to take some of the money and leave. That would be awful, Yeah. Yeah. But. Anyways, let's get back so I can let you go. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, what noise? What sound or noise do you hate? Did I ask that? Um, probably the horn when people bark, uh, beat me. Oh, okay. While driving? Yeah, like an aggressive one. Like a, a toot toot's fine, but when they go like a, a solid horn, I get just, yeah, it's just a bit too much. Don't go to New York City. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you that now. <laughs> I'd be confused. If I'm what, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, singing. Okay. You have a good voice? Uh, I just like to sing. Whether I have a good oh, okay. voice or not, I don't know. <laughs> With computers now, you don't really need one. So that's yes. perfect. That's very true. Auto tune the hell out of me. Yeah. What profession would you not like to do? Um, I don't really have one. I'd be open to many things to be honest actually that's not true i once worked at an abattoir um which was <laughs> very distressing what is that uh, an abattoir is where they pack meat oh after, no. yeah oh yeah. yeah i would be a vegetarian so, if i did that yeah, yeah i probably wouldn't want to do that for too much um too much time if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates um welcome nice my last question is this. If you were able to go back in time and tell your 12-year-old self something that would help you come to terms with who you are, what would that one thing be? Hmm. Probably that everything's going to be okay. To worry less. Nice. It's, it's, it's obviously, there's a lot of worrying, and that's probably what's been... The biggest thing in my life, I've always worried about things and what people think and say. So that would probably be the best thing for me. Cool.
Well, Andy, I am thankful so much for you coming on and talking to me. No, it's been really good. I've really enjoyed it. Cool. I've had a lot of fun. I love stories from other people and hearing who they are and how they got to where they are. And you had a great one and you were awesome here. So thank you. Uh, I appreciate it, Randy. Thanks for having me on. I want to take this time to once again say thank you to Andy for taking time out of his life and talking with me for my podcast. I had a lot of fun speaking with him. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Next week is my season finale. It is with John Holmes. John works for Sky Sports and also created Sports Media LGBT in England. Hope you enjoy our conversation. And after a short month, I will be back with all new episodes. I hope you have a great weekend. I will see you next time. Bye.